We're back for season six of my podcast. I'm all about putting the human factor back into business by helping organisations become places where people are happy, well and able to perform at their best. And that's what my guests shed light on with their expertise and experience. As those who know me will be very familiar with, my mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. And that means we'll be covering a whole range of topics that impact on employee experience, engagement and mental well-being. And many of you will know that I hate tick boxes. So we'll be kicking those out, getting beneath the surface of shiny new initiatives, stripping back layers of complexity and going back to the fundamentals of good business. That's the people. This series runs alongside the launch of Leadership Labs and Manager Labs that I'm excited to be facilitating with the fabulous Gemma Ellison of Heart Leadership. These are interactive and dynamic communities that turn typical L&D on its head. If you are a manager or leader and want an opportunity to problem solve, challenge the status quo, experiment and evaluate all within a small supportive group, get in touch. More information and contact details are in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Lisa, psychologist, psychotherapist and founder of It's Time for Change. Thank you for joining me on Beyond the Water Cooler. I'm sitting opposite the very fabulous and smiley Courtney Hobbs, who's creative director of Collective Digital. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Lisa. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Now, I'm pleased that you're smiling at me because you just joined the call saying, I'm about to be interrogated by a psychologist. (laughs) And this is not what this is about. And I'm trying to reassure you that this is just a nice chat and a nice conversation. You've got a lovely, obviously lovely face and nice demeanor, but the title is, um, your your title that you hold is scary, isn't it? Do you not find that people find that that's scary? Yeah, but I tend to, when people actually get to, um, actually I was having a conversation with someone last week, when people get to know me, they just forget the title. <laughs> and you know how some people lead with their title and yeah. lead their, um, you know, their credentials and all their models of practice and stuff. And I describe myself as, doing a bit of this and a bit of that and I've got a mishmash approach and um you know I'm very grounded and people go oh for you I can just be myself <laughs> and this is what this conversation is all about I met you Courtney on Mac Live um for Macmillan yeah. Cancer um gosh quite a while ago yeah um yeah. I'm trying, I can't remember when that was was it, was it February it could be and That's I just really... remember we were we were telling we we're all telling our stories of how we've got from where we were to where we are now because we've all got slightly untraditional um paths to where we've where we've got to but I was really inspired by your story and I talk a lot about things such as um change and resilience and self-development and confidence and all those sorts of things but actually you are a brilliant storyteller in terms of at just oh. talking as it is and saying this is you know this is my experience and this the learning for other people so I was really keen to get you um onto this show to share some of what you've learned and what you can help other people do oh you, you, you're too kind I feel like I feel like you're bigging me up a lot of you. I'm, I'm I'm concerned that I might not come through but I think that like <clears throat> I think if you can you know I'm, always, I'm a big believer in it if you can actually um really listen to somebody and where they've come from you can learn a lot like we go through life more often than not just hearing what people are saying but we're just waiting to respond rather than actually like soaking in what they're saying and their experiences and what they've learned and I think that's the biggest key to like leapfrog anything 
just, just learn from other people and then you'll be able to fast track a bit. So I, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of chatting. I'm a big fan of talking to people and, and seeing where they've come from and how their you know, experience and culture is very different to mine. And yeah, I think trying to approach everything with, um, with, with an open mind, I think is a, is an important thing. Yeah. I really like that. So let's, let's start off then. Well, before, before we hear your story, tell us a little bit more about your, role in the company you're in now so what is it you actually spend your your time doing so we're actually so we're we're a production company um and during the pandemic we realized that uh everyone was going online so we were kind of like what what do we do now uh because <laughs> obviously nobody could work and the businesses that survived all went online and i think um, one of the, if only maybe one of the the good things that came out of the pandemic, as far as businesses are concerned, is um, it really sort of like it really pushed the narrative to businesses that were reluctant prior to the pandemic about social media, about online content, about you know putting their message out there, putting their products out there. Um, it really pushed them towards sort of having to accept that oh yeah, this isn't this is a really important part of our business now because I think before then people really viewed it as a luxury. Um, and, and I guess like these sorts of services that we provide are a luxury in some cases, but for businesses that we work with, you know they have uh, marketing budgets in place and stuff, and 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 we really believe socials. Um, video, images, storytelling in and of itself is, is is probably one of the best, if not the best way to sell anything. Mm. Um, and so we we looked at people's socials in to begin with, and we said, how do we how, how do we help local businesses um, sort of master their social content more? So we set up this whole thing, and the whole idea was like creating big big, big production based uh, videos, animations, imagery, whatever it was but for smaller businesses. So we did that and, and we found a ton of success with it. And then, you know, three years on, we're still, we're still here. So um, now we're working on even bigger sorts of productions and we've kind of come full circle, but that's, that's for us, that's how it happened. And we just sort of saw the opportunity and went, Oh, there must be, there might be a gap in the market here where people are having to get online. Uh, they, they know that they want to do social media. They know that they need videos and images, but they're not very good at it, um, mm. which is, which is totally cool. Um, and that's where we kind of found most of our success. Yeah. And there is a real um is a real art to that creativity because you know everyone talks about social media and being able to tell a story, but when you do it really well and you have mm. that creative flair for something, which you obviously do, it makes such a difference. I, I haven't really embraced that side of creativity as much as I could with my business. <laughs> the most creative I got was um years and years ago, uh, when uh my coach, the company he was working with, came. And they said, we'll, we'll help you create a video to kind of talk to people about what do you do. Yeah. Which actually has since evolved massively. But um, they're like, yeah, we're going to turn everything inside out. You know, we're, because a bit, going back to your point about people's perceptions, they hear a title mm. and they think they understand what you do. Yeah, and yeah. I was trying to, I said, I want to turn that inside out and kind of start from a, um, start from a different approach. So we got my sofa outside in the lawn on the lawn we put my <laughs> little lamps and coffee tables all over the lawn we're like we're going to put the inside out and we're yeah. going to have a very different approach and it was and I was thinking really is this going to work this is like and actually it was amazing because you are just yes communicating something in a really yeah. powerful way um so yeah. there's a yes yeah, a real power in that and it really for you it's brilliant in terms of bringing out your storytelling side yeah, it for me, <clears throat> I spend most of my days pitching ideas to people like you 
and things like let's put your sofa outside and then <laughs> and then make it out that it's a really great idea and getting everybody on board I was <laughs> like we, we we not so long ago I, I think it was around February actually we, we shot a brand we shot a brand film in a in a um I don't even know what it's called it's like you know where you walk horses around in a circle oh, yes. so like yes yeah whatever that is called. whatever they're called I know what you mean <laughs> Yeah, and we put like a seventy thousand pound Mercedes Benz in there, and then um, <laughs> wow. and the whole act. Yeah, so I spend most of my days pitching ideas to companies, going, "You should do it like this," and everyone's just looking at me like, "Have you lost your mind?" <laughs> and uh, but oftentimes it pays off. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But um, but yeah, I think that's the key, though, isn't it? Like, speak to people in a way that they understand, but then add the creativity around that. Like, what would what would stop people scrolling online, or what would catch people's attention? But then deliver the you know deliver the meat of whatever it is that you you're trying to say in just plain just keep it plain in English. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I spend most of my days doing that, really trying to convince people to do crazy stuff and then and pay us for it. <laughs> Which you're obviously successful at. So tell me what I'd like what I'd like really like to do now is to go back to hear a bit about your story um mm. because there are I think that will speak for itself I was saying to you before we pressed record that um often I think about particular questions I want to ask guests or things I want to deep dive into but actually um today I just want to hear your story and just see where it goes because yeah. there were so many things that you said last time I'm like oh, I love that I love that I love that um and it kind of really <laughs> resonated so um yeah, so tell me, like, what what kind of makes you tell your story? What is it about your story that is is that you share? Dan Danielle had like, I, <laughs> before we did Mac Live, Danielle was like, oh yeah, just tell you. So I was like, tell me stuff about this, tell me stuff about that, and she was like, hmm, maybe not. <laughs> it was like, just try and don't you know, don't try and shock people too much. Keep it PG. So, so yeah, I can't. I, I had to keep a lot of stuff out only because you know my background and experiences. Sometimes I, I use um humor to sort of get me through and rationalize out what happened but actually now I've got into my 30s and I've I've you know had a daughter of my own it's made me look at things and go oh yeah so it's not really funny that is it mm-hmm. <laughs> like this it's, life but, that interesting, but that in itself Courtney is um a really important message about how we use different strategies humor mm-hmm whatever to mask actually what's going on and sometimes we use it consciously and sometimes it's just a pattern of behavior we engage with unconsciously because we've always done it as our kind of coping strategy so I think and and actually if we all but to think about that in terms of the people we engage with on a day-to-day basis and sometimes we might feel a bit fed up with someone's reaction to something um and you're like actually that could just be because that's their way of coping yeah absolutely me and my you know what me and my older brother's we're having so many conversations now about like this kind of thing because we've all kind of gotten into our 30s and gone oh I'm not sure about that actually mm-hmm. whereas you know in our 20s we caused a lot of problems ourselves don't get me wrong um but we would just laugh about it <laughs> whereas now we've all got kids yeah. and we're looking and going oh yeah maybe like yeah you know even little things like when we were younger my my younger sister just refused to go to school um for a number of different reasons or whatever things like that now I look at that at the time like you know six years ago even we'd have laughed and gone oh yeah she's you know she's mm. just her own person she's and she's she's doing really well she's really successful actually um uh, but you know we've always laughed about it but actually now I've got daughter myself and go actually it's not really funny like if if my daughter come down the stairs just when I'm not going to school I'll be like you are um yeah. and I think like looking at it through the lens of you know being a parent now even like it sounds really simple and small but like even swearing in in the home um 
you know, is a, is a major, obviously a major deal. Like you, you've got to, you can't, you can't do that. But, uh, <laughs> but this you is all stuff. You live through your own lens, don't you? It's like you have a particular yeah. lens and then suddenly something happens. You meet someone who introduces some different ideas or you have children of your own or yeah. you know, to be part of a different organization and, and people start to gently challenge you or you just see things differently. Yeah. And it's like, wow. It, yeah. And you need, because you think that, you know, I was thinking, you think that your way of thinking and your, your way of living is just dead normal. Like mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> like, it wasn't until I got married. And my wife was raised, um, her dad, he's retired now, but he was a vicar. So she was raised, went to like boarding school, uh, went to Christian schools and all that kind of stuff and, and loved it. You know, it was great. But when we got married, I was like, oh, that's, you know, what? And she was like, you can't do that. You can't say that. But in my house, it was so far different. It was just so different. Yeah. It was like, well, I'll just do and say whatever I want. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't usually work out quite well, to be honest. So I've had to go on this whole thing of, um, you know, not only trying to see it from somebody else's perspective, but see it through a different lens of going, maybe it's not about right or wrong or good or bad. Maybe it's just about trying to be better yourself. And you can only understand that through someone else's perspective on yourself. You know what I mean? But that's a kaleidoscope in, in and of itself, isn't it? Where you try to like, tell me how I'm wrong. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Help but, me be better by ridiculing me. That's about you being open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah, even that, like my older brother is so closed off. Um, he's a great guy. But um, he really struggles to talk about, you know, where, 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 where he is and what he's feeling and stuff. But even lately he's been going through it and he's kind of like saying things for the first time. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like that happened 20 years ago and he's still clearly thinking. And it's, you know, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you can't escape it. Like eventually, sooner rather than later, your your perspective will change. You you know, your, your inner thought, life will mature. And yeah, you'll just start to challenge things, won't you? Because everything changes. But but yeah, so I was um, I was brought up in a house that was very busy. So I was one of five kids and now I'm one of seven, um, all fairly close in age other than the last two. Uh, and yeah, it, it was chaos, really. I think we, we grew up we grew up relatively poor um, only because there was just so many of us and my parents didn't have a lot of people around them. So my my nana had a problem with drink um, and my mum's mum was not really around and her dad had like took his own life and all this kind of stuff. So we we grew up just in a house that was just really difficult. And I think it wasn't until I've got my, like my own house, I've been married for eight years now, where I always used to think that's how everybody lived, but it, it mm-hmm. wasn't. So, you know, even even silly things, like I used to think that budgeting money was really hard. And it wasn't that it was hard, it was just that we didn't have any. <laughs> so yeah. so, so, <laughs> so yeah. when we got married, I, I was like, I was like, oh, actually this is fairly easy, isn't it? With two incomes and we both, you know, we both got decent enough jobs and, and and my older brother actually said that recently to me, which I thought was interesting. He said the exact same thing. He said, I used to think that money was really difficult, but actually it wasn't. It was difficult. It's just that my mum and dad didn't have any. And so they did, they did crazy things. And my dad was like linking out the electric and everything was always just bonkers. And like, there was always bailiffs at the door and we'd always like hide from bailiffs. And um, one, like a few times they took all our stuff out of our house, which is not funny, is it? But it is funny at this but we I, I remember like hiding underneath the table from um these bailiffs and they were like banging on the dining room and my mum and dad would make it into a game 
Um, and that that was the game, and it, and this carried on through our whole childhood and stuff until <laughs> until one point, like one of my brothers got a pin and poked my other brother with the pin, and then he like shrieked out, and then the bailiffs knew we were in the house, and we just thought it was the funniest thing ever. But obviously, it it just yeah, really isn't. I couldn't. I just couldn't imagine. You can't imagine it, can you? But it's only since you get further on into life and you go, that's that's just bonkers. So so that was kind of like. Like our upbringing, I mean, there was a lot of love. Like my mum was really good, my dad was really good. Um, you know, we never really realised that we we didn't have a lot of stuff until we got older. Um, and you start wanting things that you know, teenage years, you need more stuff if there's five. And so when that started to happen, we we just started to do crazy stuff. Like we, me and all my, me and all my brothers, it was like it was like a year between us all. So we were like. We had at one time I was in high school, I had a brother in every single year of the school. Um wow. so we were like we were just like naturally like a mini gang, you know. So it was just yeah, and, and everybody knew everybody because everybody knew somebody in that year group or everybody knew someone in that friendship group. And and um and yet it just got it just got out of hand. I left home really young. Uh went to live, me and my older brother, we went to live on our own. Um, my youngest brother, who was 12 or 13 at the time, went to live with my nan because my mum and dad actually ended up moving away to Australia. So that was really difficult. And and even that, you know, only in the past couple of years, we've gone, oh, yeah, that's nuts. Like, you know, that I was still a teenager. Um, and so, like, all of that, all of that kind of stuff, the want of nice things and not really being able to go to my parents for it, um, the want to try and fit in and, and not always kind of fitting in because you didn't have whatever other kid had. You know, my mum my and dad leaving us to go to a different country, um, all of that kind of like forced us down routes that you just probably would never want to go down or definitely not want your kids to go down. And um, and so, so yeah, we just got involved with loads of different sorts of things, like loads of crime, loads of violence. Um, and it just kind of got out of hand. My, my two brothers ended up going to prison for a while um, because one night like, something got really out of hand and they, they basically, they, yeah, it, it was bad and it was their fault. <laughs> and, um, so that's kind of like out of, how out of control it got. Um, and I know that we spoke, didn't we, about the Mac Live thing? And I'd said about did I did I say about the 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 um did I say about the baseball bat thing? No, I don't think <laughs> so. No. So what happened was I um I I got attacked by the by these lads, and I had my face smashed in with a baseball bat. So, and that was like really it was really quite bad. And I think at the time I'd sort of like kind of become. I'd, I'd kind of fell out with my dad and we didn't have a great relationship um and we still kind of don't which is which is the sadness of it all mm. um but i i i kind of like you know when you're a kid and you look up to someone or you don't look up to someone i i always i always kind of set out to like not be like him but it was that moment that when that happened i realized that actually i've gone out and done and become that very thing that i didn't want to do and become um and so that was really wild. That was a like that was a big turning point, really, to be honest. When that happened, and I sort of went out my way to kind of change my life around, really turn my life around, approach things differently. And that was probably where it first started, where I kind of tried to reprogram my own thinking and reprogram my own brain. Um, and I was lucky enough to hear things, and I can't even remember where I heard them, but I was lucky enough to hear things like you know you've got to be around people that you want to become like so I would go on my way to like find like especially men as well like I'd find like lads who were my age who I looked up to or lads that were older than me um who I think now at the time I didn't realize but became mentors to me like one one guy in particular 
Um, he's in his 50s now, I think. And when I met him, you know, 20 years ago, he really, I really felt that he really taught me how to be a man yourself, um, which was important because when you're looking at, you know, a father figure and you're like, I don't want to become that. Um, that's great, but what what is it that you're trying to become? So, and there was a couple of guys like that as well that really helped me understand, um, you know, how to hold yourself, how to carry yourself, how to behave, how not to behave, you know, what to say, what not to say, and and so yeah, I had to go on like, this journey of like rethinking everything, really. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting there is you you highlight a really good point about people can um, identify what they don't want to be, uh, mm. but they don't fill then the that gap with what they do want to be and some yeah. people don't know what they want to be because they don't know what yeah. another option is um or they have a vague idea but they can't really see how it applies to them it just yeah, doesn't yeah. people and i think you know that's such an important message isn't it because you can you can be surrounded by people who you think i don't like their temperament i don't like their way of yeah. managing people i don't like their way of doing whatever but actually unless you have a good role model how do you shape what you want to become? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really important to know, like, oh, I like you said there, like, it's really important to go, I- I'm not sure where I want to go, but I don't want to go there. Or, you know, I'm not sure who I want to be, but I really don't want to be that type of parent. And I think that's, I think that's really important. But I think a lot of the times what I've seen, people, people negate the fact that everything grows. Mm-hmm. So, like, regardless of whether you want it to or not, ev- everything grows, like everything. So, if you don't know what you want to be, you've got to make sure that the thing that you're growing is the thing that you actually want to grow. You know what I mean? And so you've got to look at that through like, um, is it botanist? Is it botany? Plants and stuff? What's the word? Oh, yeah, get in. All that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to make sure, you know, through that, you know, we're talking about a lot about lenses. Through that lens, you've got to make sure that what you're watering is is what you want it to be. So, like, we, we get our grass cut, like, all the time. And every time we get a cut, it grows, like, straight away. And it's insane. And... <laughs> And and I was I was talking to this guy the other day, and we were talking about because we're really cool. We were talking about uh, pH levels in soil and stuff. And I was <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, that's really interesting because that's kind of like the you know an environment that you're in, whether mm-hmm. it's a workplace, a marriage, um, uh, any sort of relationship, kids, whether you're the kid or you're the parents, you've got to make sure the pH of your soil is correct so that you can grow not only grow the right thing, but grow it in the right way at the right rate. Um, Because, you know, the inevitability of life is that everything grows. So if you're watering the wrong thing and the pH of the soil, i.e. the people you're knocking around with, the people that you look up to, the people that inspire you are all the wrong people, you're going to grow into something that you hate. You, you know, you're going to grow into something and you're going to grow tall as well. That's the problem, isn't it? You're going to grow bigger and bigger and taller and taller until you get cut down. And um, I think that's that's an important thing to think about because, Everyone says things like, you know, oh, I don't want to be like that or, or or whatever. But it's important to actually look look backwards to that and say, I don't want to do that, but look forwards to go, okay, so what is it that I'm watering? And do I even have the right, am I even in the right soil to grow? You know what I mean? I think that's important. I love that. That's that's just brilliant hearing you describe it like that, the whole pH levels and being in the right soil. And I'm a scientist. Yeah, you are? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about soil. Don't know but, anything about but, science. But you know what? That is is such a good description, and I think people need to think about what they, how they, what they want to focus on, what they, how they yeah. want to grow. But also, yeah. there are a huge number of people in organisations who have grown into something without mm. any conscious plan, without any yeah. intention. They've just grown, 
And now all the stuff circulating around social media and mm. you know always key messages about this is what we need people to be like to be a good yeah. team player to be a great leader you know this is this is what we need and suddenly we're asking people to shine a, a lens or a light on themselves and go actually I'm not I'm not doing yeah. that right and to yeah. be able to have the courage to say I've you know I've become this person who's got this particular role but actually I don't think I'm doing it in the way that mm. I believe is actually best now and to be able to step out of that yeah. and relearn from potentially from scratch or just to say these are things I'm not so great at that takes a huge amount of confidence. Self-awareness is really important and I've always been lucky to be quite self-aware I don't know why that is um, but self-talk is really important as well but it's very difficult to manage your self-talk if you're not very self-aware. <laughs> yes. So I've always been quite good at like looking at things and going, I'm not really, I'm not really good at that, or that's not who I am. But not in a way that makes an excuse. Sometimes, you know, you've got to look at stuff and go, I'm not very good at that and I need to be better. Mm. Um, but other times you've got to look at it and go, that's just, I'm not very good at it and I'm never going to be good at it. So we need to, you know, we need to put a process in place, a person in place that that fixes that problem. Um, cause it's like what we were saying before, if you feed something that's just not your thing, it's mm. going to grow, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be great. You know what I mean? If you're feeding the beast of something that you're not very good at, there's just not much point. Um, so I think that's a really important thing as well. I think that, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That whole idea of self-awareness, which people, again, people talk a lot about self-awareness, but the ability to be yeah. able to almost step outside, I use, I call it your observing self. So to step outside and actually observe critically what yeah. you're how you're behaving or what you're thinking and being able to then listen to the commentary around that and think actually is that something I want or is that yeah, something yeah. I want am I going to change am I going to take control um yeah. but and and helping people understand that they have a choice rather than something's happening and they just got to go with it because that's my thought yeah exactly like having that awareness of going just stop for a minute and just ask yourself, like, is this even what, because I, I see that all the time. I see that. And we work with loads of different businesses and you see businesses and they, they promote from within, which is fantastic. But then you find someone who's in a really high level role and they don't even want to be there. They don't enjoy it. They don't like the job. They don't like the industry. And for me, I find that really hard to understand and get a hold of and, and not be friends with, but really come alongside. Because I just think if you're not doing something that you love, and yeah. your life has just took this autopilot kind of way, that's really tragic. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not going to get these hours back. Like, this is literally it. This is as good as it gets, you know? So your turning point was when you decided that you don't want to be this kind of person anymore. You want to do stuff. Mm. You want to become something different. Yeah. How did you go about yeah. that then? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> quite, quite dramatically, like anybody that knows me, I'm, <laughs> you'd be quite erratic. And like, once I've gone, right, this is what I'm doing, then that's what I'm doing, you know? And again, I think that's been like a real driver for, um, for any, any success, no matter how small it's been, um, in my life, because I've always kind of gone, that's what I'm doing. And hello, high water, that's what I'm going to do until the point where I've reached and gone, oh, yes, this is physically impossible. Um, and so I basically changed everything. I um, I stopped <laughs> I stopped hanging around with certain people like overnight. Um, it, it caused it caused a lot of problems, to be honest, as well. So it's probably not I'm not recommending that anybody do this, can't do this approach. But sometimes this approach is needed as well. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I quit my job just overnight, just quit. 
I was like, I don't even like this job. I'm not doing it. And um, it's interesting because I took that job initially because of the circumstance that me and my brother found myself in. And um, I never wanted to do that job. Like I, I trained as an electrical engineer and I finished it and I become qualified and all this kind of stuff. And it's always been good because I've got a safety net in the background. But they, they got to a point where I was like, I hate, I absolutely hate this. I hated it before I started it. I hated it all the way through and I hate it now. So I just quit overnight and I went to uh, <laughs> I went to work at a Costa and <laughs> I didn't know like how to make coffees or anything. So I was like, yeah, let's just give this a go because I, I realized that, like, all right, I might not, I might hate that and I might hate this, but that won't get me to where I want to be, but this will. So I went to work in Costa and I didn't have a car or anything like that. Me and my brother were living in this flat in this terrible area. And, um, and so <laughs> I, I took this job and I, I took it because I could do the early shift. So I knew that like I could get up I, I, and I walked all the way and it's a good few miles. So I'd get up at like five, half four or five and I'd walk all the way to this town and I'd do the open at Costa in this town center. Cause I knew if I did the open, I could finish at three. So mm. when I finished at three, I then started to do what I wanted to do. And mm. so, <laughs> and so eventually I, I, I just, every single time the timetable went up, every single time the, the, the shifts went up, I was like, give me the early shift, give me the early shift, give, and that's what I did. Yeah. And I, I met my wife, at, my now wife at the time, and she just thought I'd lost the plot. But, but I was, I was, I remember saying to her, we talk about this quite a lot. I remember saying to her, just, if you give me six months, you'll see what I'm talking about. And in six months, I'd managed to put a little bit of money in the bank. I'd, but more importantly, I'd spent so many of my afternoons going to networking things, um, trying to build a business, and I built up a client list and everything like that within six months. But it was it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, so I did that because I thought I'd really like to. I'd really just like to be a designer. So I just <laughs> I was like, I'll just do that for a bit. So I I just did that, and then um, I kind of just built this graphic design business. Um, which ultimately failed, but the reason why it failed was uh, my wife got hit by a car. Uh, she got she, we got married, and then two weeks later, she was hit by a drunk driver, and she broke her neck. Um, she fractured all of her all of her uh, all of her ribs. She had a bleed on her brain. She had six fractures in the base of her skull, and she broke the bottom of her spine. Oh, she had a she had a crack in her hip as well. So I had to basically I built like this whole thing. We've done this whole. Thing. I was like, yes, I've made it, and then <laughs> and then all of that come crashing down. So I had to. I couldn't keep up with the contracts. I had to. Obviously, loads of clients were unhappy. You know, mm. and rightly so. And so I had to kind of fold that. So I kind of went back to square one because I had to take. I think it was like six months. And I was like off, I was off work for like six months where she was home. And I had to like, we had to, she had like a neck break when she came out of hospital, she had like a neck brace on and everything. It was horrendous. And um, so I had to like, I had to do everything. I had to learn how to wash her hair. I had to put her, we just got married. I had to put her on and off the toilet. It was horrendous. Oh. It was horrendous. Um, but that, I mean, but just that alone, the, the, the resilience to get through that and not just give up on everything and not just, you know, because to have built your business like to achieve effectively your dream yeah you know, to work your socks off that's like real perseverance to kind of keep on all the early shifts you can do all the other stuff in the afternoons mm -hmm. and to then got to do what you want to do with your business with clients and it's all like yes that yes moment for all to be taken away a lot of people would just potentially give up or just yeah. very sorry for themselves and I don't get the impression you did that or did you wallow was... in that a little bit yeah, I think you've got to, haven't you? I think like you've got to spend a bit of time wallowing just a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you you've got to do that. Like we we work with a guy um called the sumo guy Paul McGee, who's who's brilliant. 
and he talks a thing up he talks he talks about this idea of like hippo time and he talks about like hippos like wallow in the mud and stuff and he does this whole analogy and it's and it's brilliant and that's something i've learned from him where you've gone yeah like it's okay to wallow but the problem is a lot of people stay there yeah so like you can't stay there mm. and so for me i've always looked at it and gone well you know life life is is a paradox in the way that it's very short but also it's very, very long when you live in it what's that saying is it like the weeks are the weeks are short but the days are long or something it's that isn't it <laughs> so you yeah something like that so you've got to like accept that and go okay you have to find it, it's not about you can't you can't stay still and you can't go backwards so you have to find a different way forward that's always been my thing like just find a new dream like it's fine like just find a new dream or, mm. or find a new version of that dream and then yeah. and then do it again and you know but it's, it's hard isn't it because it's easier said than done and you've got to be willing to you've got to be will, willing to really you know dig a well when it's not raining and i think <laughs> like, yeah that, that's yeah. what you've got to do and i and you, yeah i i think and i think that that wallowing bit is really important because i think two people yeah. many people i see are they hit an obstacle and they just kind of bounce yeah. onto the next thing they bounce onto the next thing and then there's no sense of pausing and grieving in a way that sense yeah. of loss um because you know you've, you've worked your socks off on something or something's really important to you when you lose it you've got to come to terms with that accept that think actually what mm. do i need to learn from that what do i want to take with me into yeah. my future my new plan what do i want to leave in the past mm-hmm. um and if you don't pause and and actually yeah. just sit with those feelings of life is really tough sometimes and yeah. i i want to just mope around and just feel sorry for myself a little bit yeah, yeah. that's really important but you've got to as you say you've got to get out of that and you've got to do that yeah. again with intention being very clear about mm. am i following the same dream am i still going to do my kind of graphic design stuff or am i doing yeah. something completely different yeah and reinvent the, the beauty of any crisis i think or anything that's ever gone wrong in my life is the is the opportunity of reinvention is fantastic like just reinvent yourself like you could literally just do whatever you want <laughs> so like on the back of like something horrific once you've spent that time you then get to the side again okay like do i want to do that do i want to do a different version of it and i think that's it i think that's a great thing that people overlook the 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 opportunity to start again is is incredible and i think people i think people overlook that because they get they get stuck in that self-pity and i think one of the best things i've always kind of learned and I've kind of told myself through my own childhood is two things um like life is fragile and um nobody owes you nothing like life doesn't owe you anything so <laughs> you know it, it's kind of it's all on you and that sounds really harsh but that does come a point when you you know you got to pick yourself back up and go well I'm still here I'm still breathing like everybody's relatively healthy mm. now now what you know and I think people get so caught up in the crisis of what's happened and the fallout of it, which I don't want to minimize because people go through horrendous things, don't they? But it, yeah, you can't stay there. Someone said to me years ago, and I've never forgotten it. I can't even, this is really bad. I can't remember who said it to me. And they basically just turned around to me and said, don't build a house where you should pitch a tent. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought about that when it comes, like when something goes wrong, don't build a house there, like pitch a tent there. So like stay there temporarily with your own feelings and, and feel them and make sure that like, oh my gosh, I'm really, you know, I'm really going to take a few days off, take a personal day, do whatever, but just don't build a house there. You know what I mean? Like don't, don't put down roots there. Don't put foundations in, don't build brick and brick and mortar there. Cause you, cause there's going to come a point when you, you got to move on. You I mean, you got to pack up the tent and move on, but it's, it's much harder to pack up a house in it. <laughs> yeah. That's you're, you're so good at your, your, uh, your metaphors and your analogies and just kind of telling the story because I think you're, you're very good at bringing that to life. And I think, 
you know, one of the things I remember you saying before when we when I heard you talk on Mac Live was about um I think you said something like I'm 33 or however you, or however old you said you were. And yeah. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And it's that sense of no, no, nothing's permanent. Yeah. And actually, you're on this doing this thing right now, but what's around the corner, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I know we, we spoke a little bit before, didn't we, about mm. um my my daughter and stuff who I am I'm, I'm honestly obsessed with. Like I'm absolutely obsessed with her. But what I found is like I'm still I still feel like I'm 16 in my mind. Like when she breaks something or she draws on the floor on the walls, it's me as well that's looking around for the adults, only to realize that like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I got a minute. <laughs> that's me. And I think there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Just there's nothing wrong with not knowing what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with not feeling like you're an adult there's nothing wrong with you know not knowing what path you want to take but I think there's a big there's a big thing wrong when you don't push on doors and you just don't try because of that you know that becomes so debilitating that you just don't try anything you've got to try something I think you know anyone that works with us um friends of mine who are going through different things I always say this it just try something just try so and if it doesn't work it doesn't matter because like you said before nothing's permanent I think people take life way too seriously to be honest with you like everything grows but like we were saying before but everything changes as well yeah I I agree I think um when you have when you can have an open mindset and just have a bit of fun on the way and try different things being curious and knowing that they might not work out um Mm -hmm. you know and and that's the stuff I was talking about on Mac Live about yeah I've done some really random things going that sounds like a good idea and you try and like no that's I'm rubbish at it or um it's just really dull or it's just not meeting any needs or whatever yeah. it is um and you know I'm gosh I remember I'd be standing outside uh with two people uh, two people called um Helen um Helen Joy and Louise Pitterfoot and we stood outside a shop in a village with a load of Kit Kats doing us a, a little self-recording of us doing something about have a have a break and go and have a Kit Kat and, and think about some aspect of your business. You know, all these random things. I mean, like, are we saying this? Who's saying this? And what are we saying? And and, you, yeah. and afterwards, you you know, a couple of months down the line, like that whole venture, we park that. Um, yeah. Let's move on to something different. But it was fun on the way. I learned a yeah. heap of stuff, which was actually what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and and how to tailor things a bit more. And yeah. Actually, it was that whole you you try loads of different things to work out what it is that really yeah. motivates you and what you know what your yeah. passions are and what your strengths are and, and so on. That's the thing. You just gotta try stuff. Just try it. Like just mm. try it. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? You just gotta my, when we were when we were in school, my brother sold stick insects. <laughs> you like he still he, he sold he sold stick insects and chewies and he made a fortune. And um, and I always think about that. I think you just got to try it. Another thing you said um, in Mac Live was life. <laughs> sorry, what? Life it just froze a little dress- bit then. What did you say? Sorry. Sorry. Life is not a dress rehearsal. And I love that quote. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. really powerful. I, I, I think my thing with anything is I always say that. This is my like sort of outlook on, on life in particular, other than I always I do think people take life way too seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, people might argue that sometimes I don't take it seriously enough. And okay, fair enough. But I just think, like we've said, you know, everything grows, everything changes, you never know what's around the corner. Um I, I always I always say to people, you know, the the best thing, 
not the best, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was what, ha- what happened with my wife. Mm. And people are really shocked by that. But the reason that it was, you know, once we've been through the horrific nature of it all, when you're on the other side of it, it, ch- it the power that comes from that in the perspective that you hold as a result of that thing changes everything. So you really, like, like a life-threatening thing will really put, will put everything into everything into perspective for you, everything into focus. Like everything that you thought was important, it just isn't important. And even with business, you know, talking about business, person who, you know, owns a business, it, it's, it, yeah, it's important, but ultimately a hundred years from now, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to remember, nobody's going to care. People are only going to care about, you know, whether you were there for, for them and how you made them feel and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing. So you've got to focus on that and, and this is it. Like you, you only get, I'm really passionate about this because you only get one go around, you know, you, my, my granddad took his own life when I was four years old, I think somewhere around there, really young. And, um, and it devastated my mum's family who, who already weren't very close anyway. And um, has had this like crazy lasting ripple effect as, as you can imagine with these things, as these things do. And I always think about that and I could never understand it because I know obviously to, to get to that point psychologically and mentally, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I'm definitely not, you know, I'm definitely not speaking down into that situation or anything like that. But I, I do think about that a lot because I just think, I wonder what would have happened if he could have found the strength to just go, I'll just give it another day. Just give it another day. Just see what's around the corner tomorrow. You know what I mean? Just see, just see what happens. Just, just, just chill. You know, I think we've, mm-hmm. we've spoken a lot, didn't we? Or at Mac as well and on emails and stuff about, I honestly believe that the trick with anything in life is just two things, resilience and patience. Mm-hmm. If you've got the patience just to ride it out, just to, just to, just to, just to stay holding on for a little bit longer, you'll build the resilience you need to then stay on holding on even longer it's you know what I mean that's just what I think yeah yeah. I mean I always say to people whatever situation they're in it will pass because you've had the challenges you've had in your earlier Mm. life and as a child it means that now you don't take things too seriously you have fun and I know I would really it'd be interesting to challenge people who say you 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 don't take life seriously enough because actually why should we take life seriously you're you care about your wife you care about your daughter, you care about your job and you're successful in that. So like when you've got the the key, the important things in life, you care about those and you're doing the best you can for that. Mm-hmm. Life should be about having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like why, why would it not be? You know what I mean? <laughs> like why would it, why would it not be? As long as I think, which sounds really cliche. I, I, I said this even to my wife the other day. Are you are you try are you being a good person? Yes. Are you trying the best? Are you doing the best you can? Yes. Then it doesn't matter. That's all you that's all you can do. You know, this it, it's not really I'm sure there's more complicated I'm sure there's more more eloquent ways of saying that. And I'm sure there's more intelligent people than, than me who would maybe say that's wrong or, or maybe say that in a more, I don't know, influential way. But for me, like on the on the basis of everything, if you're just working hard, staying humble and being kind everything else will just work itself out. Like it doesn't matter. Like don't get caught up in the, in the details. Don't get caught up in the minutiae of he said this and she said that and whatever, just love your family, work hard, stay humble and be kind. Like that's, that's it. You know what I mean? Like Courtney, we don't need any of those intellectual types. You just, you've just nailed that. 
we don't need we don't need big words, do we? Yeah. Humility is a big word for me. Be be hum- humble is that's the biggest word you're gonna get. Yeah. Although I did say botanist earlier, so I'm pretty proud of that. So <laughs> So how do you um how do you deal with because you must have things in your life that you've been um not afraid of, but there's a sense of mm. fear in terms of I know trying something new or it's the unknown or how do you yeah because it's I don't want people to listen to this thinking oh it's all very well you just got to smile and have a positive attitude and then you know everything just swims on and you're like yay <laughs> yeah. thumbs up. It's like, it's not really yeah, like my life my life's falling apart thanks for your help <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you um cope with things that you know when you feel afraid of what's to come or what's happening in the moment I think um, I'm I'm probably a little bit daft and don't really really understand fear a lot of the time. So I'm <laughs> I'm late to the party when everyone's worried. I'm a bit like, oh, is this something we should be worried about? <laughs> but I do think that um, one thing I've I've learned a lot is that fear is fake. I actually don't. I, I mean, I don't know what the psychological take on this is. Don't worry. I about just that. Think... I hear your take. <laughs> <laughs> I I always think that fear is in and of itself has to be fake and made up in your own mind because fear isn't danger. Danger is danger. So danger is in my, in my, uh, my opinion, danger is obviously very dangerous. It's very, um, you should be scared of something that's dangerous. If you're stood on the edge of a cliff, you should probably, you know, you should probably be worried and you should probably take the necessary actions to get away from the edge. Um, but fear in and of itself, the way that I understand it is always you're scared about something that may or may not happen. So, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know, that principle of Schrodinger's cat is like, well, it might happen and it might not. But while it's might, while it's in the middle of might happening and might not happening, you're worried as if it is going to happen. And then people, people make decisions based in that emotion and they make decisions irrationally because they're, they're fearful. But I actually just think it, it's, it's just in here. And I think people jump the gun and they make decisions on stuff that hasn't happened yet. Like when it happens, deal with it that deal with the danger like don't deal with the fear like don't deal with yeah exactly exactly a lot of the yeah like a lot of the times the stuff that you're worried about the stuff that you're fearful of it actually doesn't happen and and if it does happen it always almost never happens in the way that you were so scared that it was going to happen so Mm. i think for me i've always kind of approached things like that um fear in your mind is just totally made up it's i don't know what the scientific basis is but it's a reaction to something that hasn't happened yet but might happen and there's just no point in entertaining it really it's okay to be worried but don't you know don't change the course of your life because you're scared about what might or might not happen just do it anyway and then deal with the consequence and I think if you're um again I think you've explained that brilliantly um if if you're if someone's feeling stressed about something you know anxious about something they're not in a um in kind of the perfect state of mental well-being then we're already our brains are already primed for looking for threats that are going to make our okay. feel even worse so if we're feeling stressed you'll then be a slight more sensitive to additional stressors that are potentially coming yeah. on because it's going to add to that level of stress and so that's about helping us push away any threats to for self-preservation yeah, yeah. so and if you think about society now everyone's running around pretty stressed and feeling yeah. pretty anxious about stuff and this state of fear, you know, the imposter syndrome, that voice in my head saying, I can't do this, or what about that? And I'm suddenly we're 
we're all all our emotional arousal is higher than mm. it should be on a day to day basis, and then it means we're already then looking for that sense of threat, and your imagination always then kicks in, yeah, and it's yeah. always the worst case scenario. So, you know, we have all these innate resources, our ability to build rapport with people, and our ability to problem solve and and use our imagination, and so on. The imagination is the most misused innate resource we have because it's really okay. great for helping us problem solve. Like I've got a yeah, predicament, yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm going to use my imagination to think that one through. But actually, if I'm feeling stressed at the time and I'm trying to use my imagination, it's going to imagine the worst case scenario. So if I'm asking mm. you, if you're if you're having a really, really bad day and I say, I want you to picture Courtney being stuck on a desert island, you might picture that be going, oh, my gosh, I'm dehydrated. I'm sunburned. I've got no food. The sharks are circling, the rest of it. If someone said to me and I'm in a great place and today and someone said picture yourself on a desert island stuck on a desert island you're like yes I'm in a hammock I've got my cocktail I've got my book there's no one needing anything and but our, that's all about our use or misuse of imagination and I think we have to be very again it comes out to self-awareness clocking that being mm. aware of that and thinking you know what's is that the worst case scenario what are all the other potential options what is most yeah. likely what's the evidence of what's happened before in terms of what's likely to happen next. Or if I've, I'm worried about it veering off in a certain negative direction, what can I do to try and perhaps influence it to take a more positive direction? You know, yeah. what can I control? What do I need to let go of that? Actually, I just have no influence over at all. So I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, really important. That's, that comes about self-awareness. Yeah, I mean, that's that's dead interesting because I know people and it's almost like fantastical, isn't it? I don't know. Is that the right word? Like where people like fantasize things. So they always fantasize it in their head, like way different than it was or way different than it, than it will be. And I'm like, just slow your roll. Like you yeah. just see what happens, you know, anything. I, I think a lot of times with, with the imagination thing, which I think is fascinating. Like I'm, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff, but I'm always fascinated by people like you who do know about it because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times when people say oh well you know what if this happens or why why me is is a thing isn't it like people go oh, why would that happen to me my thing has always been well why not yeah. my thing's always like why not you like somebody's gonna have to be the next Beyonce someone's gonna have to be the next whatever yeah. How, you know whatever your inspiration is why not you you know what I mean if you can't sing in that <laughs> in that <laughs> illustration you know that doesn't really work like they're just you know what I mean the, the playing field is level in the sense of like we're all people yes people are more talented in different areas of course they are mm. but what you know why not you why can't you why can't you build a great family why can't you build a great business why can't you become that you know a musician that you feel like you're gifted and talented to be like why not when people I think a lot of times do they do it in reverse don't they go well mm. why me and it's that like defeatist that defeatist attitude that I get where it comes from but it just drives me mad it just drives me mad, you know, to see people wasting their life and um, wasting their time mm. in their own sort of fear of things, just mm -hmm. coming full circle to be like, well, it doesn't matter, just try it and then see what happens. And if it doesn't work, like we said before, you might find something that you do like. You might, you know, I know lads who have set out to be musicians and it didn't really work out, um, but they found that they really enjoyed the production side. And now they're like, they fly around the world being music producers. It's like, you just yeah. don't know. And if they'd have stayed in the thing of going, oh, well, I'm never going to be the next whoever, they'd never be where they are now. And I think social media has got a, a lot to answer for on that 
basis as well. You know, I love I love social media, and I know a lot of people have issues with it. I've never really had much of an issue with it, but I could I can see and I understand why that fear and that debilitating attitude of well that could never happen to me or why would that happen? You know, nothing good ever happens to me is because they're constantly reminded of like this highlight reel of somebody else's life, and it's like <laughs> it's it's just not real. Like it's just not real. It- and it goes, you know, when you're saying about it's almost the kind of fantasies, I think some people just think um, it's for someone else or it's got to be perfect. I have a go at something and it doesn't work out straight away or it doesn't feel perfect straight away. And I'm mm. expecting it to be easy. Or I'm expecting to perfect it really quickly. And you're like, actually, stuff doesn't have to be perfect. Real life is not perfect. And as long yeah. as you're enjoying it and enjoying the journey yeah. you're on and it's going the right direction then yeah. enjoy the journey and it's not about getting to an end point and feeling like I've I can tick the box I've succeeded it's like actually yeah, yeah. just do what interests you and, and yeah what brings you joy and yeah does something positive and then and then you keep evaluating as you go along rather than striving for this is what I want to do next and actually if it's too hard I'm going to give up or if I haven't yeah. affected it straight away then I can give up yeah I think it's like the happy like happiness and joy as well i think comes into that like we thrive on that happiness thing and socials again like oh, everyone's happy all the time everyone's going on holiday all the time well, they're not that's just what you see mm. and it's that like i always think of like happiness as like an oscillating wave so like it comes up and then sometimes you're not very happy and it's a bit rubbish and other times you're absolutely over the moon but i think happiness is not something that you should to try and set out to achieve or attain you should try and attain some sort of level of joy so like in um electromagnetic waves they the waveform oscillates like this but it always has a zero point which is like in the middle and i always think about that and it's probably the only thing i ever took away from my electrical engineering thing <laughs> is joy is it joy is the zero and the center point there and then happiness comes up and down up and down there's days when i'm not happy but because i've tried to find a level of joy and master that joy I'm relatively more happy than I than than I'm not because I'm I've got so much joy in what I'm doing. I've got I find I look for I look for points to be joyful about you know what I've got like gratefulness and gratitude like the joy in my family. I love my daughter and my wife. The house we've built, you know, things like that. If you can find points of joy, it centers everything else, and then happiness oscillates around that. And yeah, if you have a rubbish day, well, that's okay. You know what I mean? You're gonna go home and there's some joy there, or you're gonna go to work and there's some joy there. But people ride that happiness wave like this. And one day they're made up and the next minute that, you know, it's almost like manic depressive, isn't it? And and I feel like people then make choices based on that. And it's sad to see because you shouldn't trust happiness. It's uh, it, it's not, it's you shouldn't trust it. Trust joy, don't trust happiness. You have some <laughs> good messages. Uh, Courtney, I would love to hear, because I'm just conscious, I'm just I've got a glass <laughs> on my clock and I'm thinking, wow, I could, I'm, your energy, is, you just exude all this <laughs> Passion oh, and um, for ages. Tell me, what what would be your takeaways? What would be your kind of key messages that people who listen to this, and it could be anyone listening to this, what would you what mm. would your message be to them to take away from this so that they make the most of their experience? And and this podcast is kind of focused around the workplace, but. In terms of if we yeah. are if we have the most meaningful experience for ourselves and in work, then we thrive. What what would yeah. be your key key messages? I think um, really simply, which sounds really reckless, just build the plane while it's in the air. Like don't try and have all of the answers. 
don't try and have everything figured out because that pro- most of the time that'll probably just prevent things and prolong things. Just just get going and just see what happens. I, I'm a big believer, and I say this to people all of the time, just start where you are and just use what you have because mm. everybody has some sort of resource. Like it, it might not be directly the resource that you want or, or think that you need, but you can, you can still leverage resource into getting those things. So when I started our business, I didn't have any money um, and I needed to buy a camera. And I had a friend of mine who um, uh, came from, you know, a much more wealthy family than mine. So I just said to him, I said, hey, look, can you lend me some money to buy this camera? That's it, you know, because you've got to just start where you are and just use what you have. So mm. I just went to him and it was the most, it was, I felt at the time, I'm, I'm, it's different to my thinking now, but at the time I felt so degraded. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even a lot of money, but I was so committed to go, that's where I'm going and I'm going to do anything it takes to get there. And so I kind of like, that like was saying before, just you got to humble yourself sometimes. You go, is there any chance? And he was happy to, you know, you'll find that most people want to help. They want to help, but they're just never asked. So they don't want to intervene. So, you know, I, I needed a camera, but I didn't have a camera. But I had a friend who could loan me some money and I got a camera and we've made a deal and I paid him back with some interest and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes we, we, we don't start because we think what we have isn't the right thing. But it doesn't matter whether it's the right thing or not. It's just a question of whether are you going to use what's in your hand to get the right thing to start to start the journey. You know what I mean? But most people just want to, they want to have everything figured out. They want to know where they're going. They want this profit margin and this is going to happen in year three and this quarter. Just start where you are. Just use what you have. It's just, it's really simple. Brilliant advice. Brilliant. Because if you have, if you try and map it all out, it paralyzes you because you, you don't take any action at yeah. all. Like, well, I can't, I don't yeah. know what I'm supposed to be doing or I can't figure that out or it feels too complicated yeah. and overwhelming now. Just take one step on that path. Mm. The next step happens. Yeah. Me and my business partner, we, me and my business partner were going through a thing at the moment because I found, I found a note that he'd written on his uh, iPad with a stylus. So it's all hand- handwritten. And we were talking the other day about getting it printed out for the office because it's the first ever meeting that we ever did. <laughs> and it was like, here's, here's the work that we have and here's the people we know. Can we make X amount to sustain a wage and it's so interesting because the numbers on there they're not big numbers but at the time they were massive to us we were like if we achieve this this is gonna be the great this is gonna be the best thing ever we're gonna be on top of and you're talking you're talking pennies you know what I mean and and we were talking the other day saying we should get that printed and put it in the office because we just that's all we had so we just went right let's just try and master that and then when we mastered that we did it again and did it more and did it bigger and did it better and that's it if we'd have never if we'd have never wrote that down, if we'd never started on the journey, we wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? I think, like you said, it's debilitating. People just, they wait for all the answers. They they want to know the route. Me, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting in the car and just not knowing where I'm going. You know what I mean? Just drive to see what happens. <laughs> Good advice. So I have got a blind question for you. From oh, yeah, I saw this on the next. Called Mike Mayer. And this is an interesting question. They look so worried. What's stopping you investing in your people? Mm. Really, honestly, uh, time and priorities, which is horrendous to say, but that's the honest. That's the honest answer. I think sometimes, if you're a business owner or you're any sort of like team leader or or whatever, there's so much stuff that needs your attention, isn't there? You know what I mean. You got to do this. You got to do that. You've got to do your own workload. You've got to look after everybody else's workload. You've got to look after your own mental health. You've got to make sure everybody else is okay. And then you've got to do, 
you know, if you're in business, then you've got to do your taxes and your receipts and your end of years. And there's just so many fires that you constantly have to put out. There's so many things vying for your attention that I think sometimes you can wrongly prioritize those things. Um, I've always found that like, if you invest into people, the, the return on that is, is incalculable. Um, mm. But oftentimes we, we put it down the list because we look at things and we say, well, you're paid to do that job. So you should do that job regardless. And mm. that is true, but we're all humans, aren't we? So we all, you know, we all need reinvesting into, we all need G and up. We all need looking after and looking out for. And I think as business owners or business leaders, uh, any leaders, in fact, you know, any leaders, doesn't matter if you're leading a team, doesn't matter if you're leading your family, it doesn't matter. There's what we think is important sometimes is often not important. And when you do that, I think that prevents you from investing in people. Like people are your biggest asset, people. Yeah, and I think you've got I mean, to invest in them. I, when I ask people to write down a list of um, what they spend their time doing, so whether you're a parent or yeah. a leader or whatever, and it's all the tangible stuff, and actually what counts yeah, yeah. is investing in the people, the yeah, relationships, yeah. Um, you know, listening, feedback, and all the rest of it. That's the stuff mm-hmm. that is less easy to measure. So you could spend an hour having a conversation with someone, and at the end of it, you still go, oh my gosh, I've still got my list of stuff to get through. Yeah. Or someone might say, what have you yeah. achieved this morning? And it's like, oh, I had a conversation with someone for an hour. Is that all? But actually that conversation, as you say, the value of that, you can't mm. money, uh, money, you can't yeah, um, yeah. put value on because it's it's that sense of, you don't know the difference that's made. That could be huge. And that's the bit yeah. that always gets pushed out. Yeah. The guy who the guy who runs all of our teams now, um, he I met him when we were really young and I showed him and taught him how to basically take photos. That was the thing. Mm. And um, and now, you know, that investment years ago, there was no return for me. It was just, he was mm. my friend and he wanted to know. And he he knew a little bit already and I wanted to help him, you know, by telling him what I knew and stuff like that. And now fast forward, you know, 15 years later, he's now runs all of our teams. We, you could mm. never have seen that happening. You could never have seen that coming. And that loyalty and friendship and trust and all of those really important things that you've got to have in a business anyway are so much stronger now because I've always invested in people. I haven't always got it right, of course. Um, more often than not, I, I, I prioritize things in the wrong order. But when you look at stuff, the best things that have ever happened to me mm-hmm. it, it is because I've invested in people first. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, if you give out of yourself, I always find that like, you know, Christmas is like Christmas is coming up. I'm not a big gift person. Me, like I don't really want a lot of stuff. I'd never like last year. I said to my wife, "Don't get me anything. I'm not really bothered." But I really, I'm a big fan of giving gifts, and it's the same in investing in people, isn't it? It does something inside of you that you can't, you can't really give language to. It just, it just, you you can't help another person and never feel bad about it. You just can't. It does something so good inside of your own head. And I always find that like if you're having a bad day. Just go and help someone because you'll feel much better. Like, don't try and help yourself. Just try and help somebody else and you'll feel better. <laughs> I love that. I was I put a post on LinkedIn a couple of days ago about holding someone's hand and just just holding people's yeah. hands, just being there for them. Um, mm. And it's not only for them, it's, it's for you as well. Courtney, yeah. I have love today. Considering when we started this, before we hit record, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're having this conversation. I'm not sure what it's going to be like. And I was like, it's just a chat. Um, I thought you were going to like show me pictures where it's like meant the answer's meant to be a butterfly, but then I say skull or something. And then you're like, I was like, you know, in the films where they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, That's, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. no. Um, your energy is infectious. Your 
Oh, thank you. What, you. what you share in terms of your wisdom from your own experience is so powerful. And you can have, you know, people like me talking about stuff from a psychological perspective, but actually to hear the way you put really important concepts into um plain language and tell it through story and you know things like your ph and soil and <laughs> building a plane in the air and and all that stuff i just think it just people will connect with that and i think um everyone who listens to this will take something away from it so thank you so so much for joining oh, me no, thank you thank you thanks for having me it's been good fun hasn't it? yeah it's been good yeah we'll, we'll do another one at some point that's what it's all about just make sure you're having good fun make yeah. sure you're having a laugh Everyone else will work out. Thanks, Courtney. (laughs) No worries. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. I invite you to think about one thing that you will take away to think about or do differently. I'd be really grateful if you can give me a thumbs up on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for an extra brownie point, leave me a short review. I'm really keen to help drive real change for better practice in the world of people at work and spreading the message will help that. I'd love you to also join the club to stay in the loop and be the first to hear about exciting things that I'm developing, including free downloadable resources. Please do reach out to me directly to discuss the topics covered on this podcast or perhaps other challenges around people at work. And if we're not already acquainted on LinkedIn, please connect. All the links you need are in the show notes. Until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.